Welcome in. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining me once again. So we've spent a lot of time recently talking about the major roster slash coaching changes Notre Dame is undergoing as we enter the 2021 football campaign. Oftentimes, I think this loss of production, and in Notre Dame's case, they are losing among the most in the country as far as percentage of productivity on both sides of the ball. So oftentimes with this kind of production loss, I think it's talked about very negatively, even in some cases by yours truly worrying about losing this level of production. But there's another side to this coin. The other side is with so many open roster spots and playing time up for grabs, the competition level should be off the charts this spring with guys fighting for meaningful spots and playing time. I do think there's quite a bit of raw talent on the roster. So who's going to man up and earn a spot and do damage for the Irish in 2021? I don't know, but there's a lot of really good options I think we should discuss. So, should we get into it? Here's what I think when it comes to talking Notre Dame football. Let's go. That's right. Welcome in. Welcome back, everybody, to a future playmaker edition of the Always Irish Show. Thank you so much for joining me. As always, you can find this program on the YouTube website. Just type in Always Irish. Do hit subscribe. I do appreciate it. And give the video a thumbs up afterwards if you approve of the content. Twitter, you can find me by searching Always Irish or at JKZND4. Emails, alwaysirishnd at gmail.com. Merchandise link is below in the description. Audio only. You could get me wherever you want me. Like, share, subscribe, write mean comments. I don't care what you do. I just like the interaction. So as we get into this, I'm going to try and avoid situations where it's like, Kyron Williams is really good. Like, I want him to keep being good. I'm going to try and focus on the other guys that are trying to emerge or trying to prove themselves. So as we get into this, if I skip a guy that's already really good, that's the reason. It's because I already know what I'm expecting to get out of them production-wise based on their history. So I'm going to try and focus on other guys or other position groups um, and so that's kind of the way I'm doing this. So if you don't hear a name and they're really good, that's why, because I'm not worried about them. I know what I'm going to get. So that being said, let's get into this. If I'm starting looking at the quarterback position, I'm just kind of going down the offense, down the defense. If I'm looking at the quarterback position, we've already been through this. This is a major topic on all Notre Dame fans' minds. Here's where I'm at with it, okay? I think you're looking at Tyler Buckner or Jack Cohn as the starter entering the year. It's the most important individual position in all of sports. The single most important. I've talked about it before, but here is my position. If Kelly feels 
that the roster's capable of a playoff appearance in 2021. And the only thing he's nervous about is starting a freshman quarterback. He thinks those rookie mistakes might be enough to knock us from in consideration of the playoff to out. But Kelly feels that everything else is in a position where they could legitimately compete for it. Then I think you're going to see Cone, and I understand the reasoning. If they look around and say everything else is in place, but we can't afford freshman mistakes, we have enough talent around Cone, he can distribute, and, and we could go, fine. But here's what I'm not okay with. If you're not making the playoff and you're going to start Cone all year, it's a wasted year. Right down the toilet. It's a, I'm not interested at all. Total waste of everybody's time because you're not developing the most important position in all of sports if you're doing this. So the only way I'm riding Cone all year is if this team's a playoff team and they just can't risk the freshman mistakes that would come along with Buckner. That's it. If we're going to go 10-2, and 9-3, and three, miss the playoff, and Cohen's starting all year, it's an absolute total waste of everybody's time. Total waste. I have no interest in it. So if, we do, if we're not making the playoff, Buckner needs to be playing. If we are, then I can understand wanting to play Cone and, and ride that out for one year. But that's it. The worst case scenario for 2021 is Buckner's not getting mean, meaningful reps and we don't make the playoff. Not interested, total waste of everybody's time. It's throwing a year down the garbage, flushing it down the toilet. There is no development with Jack Cohn. It is what it is this year, and then he's gone. So there's no development, no looking down the road. It's one and done, now or never, for this situation. So that's where I'm at with quarterback. Not interested in not developing Buckner at all and not making the playoff. You cannot make the playoff while playing Buckner if you're not going to make the playoff. That's why I need Kelly to have a handle on where this team is at. That's why he needs to know more than any other year of his tenure exactly what the high window is here. What's possible? Total waste. If you're not making the playoff and you're not developing the future, what exactly are you doing? Treading water so Kelly puts up a decent 10-2 and two record after a dozen years? Doesn't interest me at all. It's going to look good on his resume, but I'm not interested. I'm not interested. Okay, so it's got to be one way or the other here. They got to have a good handle on where this where this is all at. Total waste of a year if you're not making the playoff and you're playing a quarterback who's gone after this year. 100% waste sets us up to get the shit kicked out of us by Ohio State the next year when Buckner rolls in there. Oh, it's my first start. and You're playing Ohio State at their place. Not interested. So figure it out. Figure it out. At the running back position, I like. I actually like this group a lot. You know what you have in Kyron, Sebo. Now, here's where we're going to get into this. I believe Chris Tyree was criminally underused last year. I'm talking I want jail time levels of underutilized Chris Tyree. 
he is capable of doing so much more for this offense more often, and we just didn't see it. So he is a weapon that needs to be used as a yin-yang off of what you're doing with Kyron. Chris Tyree's capable of doing way more than what we saw him do last year, and I need to see it, okay? Use him. He was criminally underutilized, particularly in the mid-range passing game last year. He's just capable of much more. Use him, okay? Now, I'm looking at Diggs coming in. I'm looking at Estime coming in. Here's what I'll say about Estime. Estime looks like a 35-year-old junkyard dog. He looks like an Alabama recruit. He's absolutely yoked out of his mind, jacked up, okay? So I know we're happy with Kyron and Tyree. I need to see more uh, designs to utilize Tyree's skill set. But Logan Diggs is a guy a lot of people are very high on. Estime looks like an absolute football robot. So... Is there a place for those guys at all this year? Or are we in a position at running back where you could legitimately save those guys a year, have them sit back a little bit? Um, This is a position where I think you Notre Dame has some flexibility because they have some high-end skill already in the rotation, okay? Wide receiver, here we go again. Braden Lindsey, I don't know. I don't know. Injured, nagging injury, some issues off the feet. I don't know, but he's very, very fast, and we got almost as close to nothing out of him last year as possible. Austin, you know what the deal is with Austin. Okay, doghouse, no doghouse, whatever. Get out there and make plays. Lawrence Keys, up, down, up, down, up, down. I need some consistency here from these guys that have talent, but the results don't match the talent. The results don't match the talent at all with any of the guys I just mentioned. So is some of that designing of the offense? Yes. Is some of it these individual guys having their own issues, whether it be injury, school, doghouse, combination, whatever? Yes. Is some of it uh, being hamstrung by a quarterback who couldn't Get the ball to them in all the positions that would make them excel. Yes, it's a little bit of all that. It's a little bit of all that with these guys I mentioned that have already been around. Colsey, Styles, Watts, Jordan Johnson. Seems like there's more talent here than the results would indicate. So that's where I'm at with this. I think there's so much more meat left on the bone in the wide receiver room It just hasn't been tapped into or utilized for a combination of the reasons I talked about. You need that to change or you're going nowhere. Get modern or get lost. That's how this works. Get modern or get lost. Figure out how to run a real offensive scheme down the field, north, south, okay? Use these guys. They have some talent, tight end situation. Here's the main thing I'm looking for. Okay, so you lost Tommy Tremble. Everybody knows Mayer's awesome. Here's my desire for the usage of Michael Mayer. Picture in your mind most of his big plays. Just take a second and picture what they look like. To me, when I'm picturing Michael Mayer's biggest plays, here's what they are. 
he releases off the side, kind of is in the in the trash, and then he goes out and clears out to the right. They drop him like a six-yard route kind of over the middle. He jets it to the sideline, and he's athletic and fast enough. He usually beats that one defender to the edge, and then he gains 10, 12, 15 yards, gets knocked out of bounds. Most, if not all, of Michael Mayer's biggest plays are that. The little dump off in the flat, and then he's athletic enough. Guys think he's a slow tight end. He runs by him. We saw that a lot, even against Clemson and Alabama. So he could do that against the best talent. Great. Here's the next level of that. If he's capable of doing that, explain to me why you cannot throw this guy the ball north-south. Why can you not throw him the ball right down the seam, right down the hash line, instead of him wasting so much time sideline to sideline? He's a guy you could get out into space, throw the ball north-south to. That's the biggest thing I want to see with Michael Mayer. Still do all the stuff that's been working great with him, but I also want to see a new version of this where it's more north-south attacking and let the kid be an athlete there rather than the sideline and these little dump-offs and short passes to the edge, okay? So when we're looking at the offensive, the offensive line, this is... Something where we have one returning starter, so and it's Jared Patterson. So this is an entirely new project. That being said, open up all spots and have a mega competition here. Play the best five. I don't care who they are. I don't care how many years they've been in the program. I don't care about any of that. You're rebuilding this offensive line with only one guy returning. It's a great opportunity to just have a clean slate and let it be known day one. This is a totally open competition. Whoever plays best is going to start, regardless of anything else. Years in the program, experience, whatever. The guys that compete and play the best in the spring, early summer are going to get to start. That's how I would approach it. Not a situation where it's favoritism of guys who have been there and older guys are going to get... I don't want that. You're starting over, play the guys that play the best. Not that have been around the longest. Play the guys that are doing the best in your spring and early summer sessions. That's what I want to see out of this offensive line. Now's the time. You're rebuilding it. You're not married to any guy other than Patterson in terms of playing time. Open it all up. See what everybody could do. That's what I want to see out of that. Okay. Switching over to defense. Okay. Defensive end. I want to see what Foskey can do. Foskey has a unique ability to disrupt where the ball is. That's one thing I've noticed from his short career so far. Whether it's special teams, getting in there and and blocking a couple kicks, or when he did get in on on defensive line play, he's a guy with a God-given knack to disrupt and figure out where the ball is and make a play. That has jumped out to me so far in his early career 
and I'm really excited if he could to see if he could get in there and make those kind of plays more consistently. Nano Safa Mensa, I'm looking at to step up. Batello, I'm looking to step up. He's a guy similar to Foskey so far in their young careers. When you hear their names, they're making big in- impact plays, big hits. Patella had a few big hits on special teams. At the end, we lost a lot, and I need to see these guys step up and replace that production, if not outdo that production, okay? Defensive tackle, I, I need Lacey, Cross, Mills, Rubio, whoever, a rotation, I don't care, but those are the younger guys that I need to see step up, demand and earn playing time, get out there and make big plays, okay? Linebacker, kind of lost the soul of the defense with the Wusu Karmoa, okay? So, is it going to be Bo Bauer out there? I love his intensity. Kaiser, Leofau, is there a role for Prince Kali early? I need to know who's going to step up and be the leader of that middle part of the defense, both on the stat line and in the locker room, Okay. I need a guy in this area of the defense to do both. Lead with statistics on the field and also be the locker room leader of the defense, okay? Here's where it gets weird. I don't know how else to say it. This is where it gets weird. Let's look at cornerback, okay? Now, I follow Notre Dame very, very closely. I follow Notre Dame recruiting very, very closely. But let me ask you guys a question. Maybe I'm missing something. Who in the hell is Chase Love, Chris Vallada, Eddie Schneider, Steve Betts? Who in the hell are these people that are listed on the depth chart at cornerback at Notre Dame? I've never heard of any of these people. I'm not trying to be mean or rude. I honestly have never heard of any of these people that are listed on the cornerback depth chart at Notre Dame. Chris Velota, Eddie Schneider, Steve Betts, never heard of them. Who are these people? Who are these people? Walk-ons? Is the whole set cornerback room walk-ons? I do not. I have no idea who these freaking people are. And that's very alarming to me. So I guess what? Clarence Lewis is the leader by default. And he was a young kid forced into action last year. He tried to hold his own. But I guess he's the leader of that group. But I'm not trying to be mean. But I have genuinely never heard of any of these people on the depth chart. And that ain't a good sign. That's just not a good sign. it's, It's freaking me out. I have no idea who they are. No idea. So, Offord, Barnes, Philip Riley, Tucker, step up. There's playing time out there. Play competitive ball in camp. Step up and earn a spot. Earn a spot. So, this is the one position I'm probably wor- worried about more than, than most. Be- just because these names I've never heard of. And that's very alarming to me. It, it just is. So then when you look at safety, obviously this will be Hamilton's final year. So you don't have to worry about him. 
It's just three years goes by fast. When you play as a freshman, you're leaving early for the pros. So this is his last year. You know you have him. What am I looking at back there then? Kari G, Litchfield Ajavon, Griffith came back, KJ Wallace. Makes me nervous because outside Hamilton, I don't trust anybody else on this list. I don't trust anybody else on this list. Even with the corners, I mean, I I have a a guy that was a freshman last year as the top one in Clarence Lewis. I don't necessarily trust that either. So I think that's secondary. Two things. One is it's a spot where it's very obvious Marcus Freeman needs to get on the job here and get these guys that are already here ready to play. And secondly, he's got to get on that recruiting trail, get some more guys in there that are highly thought of or at least a name I'd recognize from the recruiting class. I have no idea who those guys are at corner. Never heard of them. No clue. So that secondary does make me nervous. You just hope the Marcus Freeman effect comes through and it makes up for some of that. So that's a very quick look at the offense and the defense. So here's the last thing I want to add. Special teams. Are you allowed to be great at special teams at Notre Dame? I'm just asking. Is there any value held by Notre Dame at the idea of flipping field position, stealing possessions with special teams, maybe even scoring some points on special teams? I do not and will not understand why special teams are not properly valued by a Brian Kelly Notre Dame staff. They are very simply not valued. I have been told whenever I ask people more in the know than I am what the deal is with special teams under Brian Kelly. Everybody's told me the same thing. When I ask this, I get told, They don't have the time to put into it to really have it be a difference maker. And they just want it to be net neutral. Not a hindrance, but not putting the time in it takes to be great at it. They just want it to be a wash, pretty much neutral. I absolutely hate that. I absolutely hate it, especially when you have a roster with some really fast athletic guys that could be utilized on special teams and help you, okay? So it's insane to me to watch YouTube clips of the Rocket running two kicks kicks back against Michigan and pulling up Tim Brown running a couple back against Michigan State in the old days. And now we're looking at taking the ball at the 25 on every kickoff or fair catching punts like cowards every single time. I do not understand the philosophy that you're going to let your opponent only have to worry about two-thirds of your team. I don't get it, and I hate it. Special teams should be used as a weapon. Notre Dame has some fast guys. It's a total waste to not be doing this. Setting up big punt returns. Letting guys return kicks. We have the athletes. Let them 
do it. It's all John. Notre Dame doesn't have the time it takes to put in to let special teams be a difference maker. How much time does it take to let Chris Tyree catch a punt and then run really fast? How, how does that take extra time? Kick it to him and let him run it somewhere. I don't understand and I hate it. Okay? I hate it. Especially, especially with some of the highlights in Notre Dame's history with kick returns and punt returns. This just, it rubs me the wrong way. It just feels like a waste, a total waste, and I hate it. Hate it, okay? So to recap, a lot of lost production and roster uncertainty, sure. That could be a good thing or a bad thing. It just depends on your recruiting and development. Full circle. Here we are. Reload or rebuild. That's what this all comes back to for this year. No matter how you frame it, what discussions you have, it all circles back to that one question. Reloading or rebuilding. Okay. So those are some of the guys in some of the positions, what I want to see out of them. Um, And I want to finish on this. I was going back through some old emails from after the Alabama game, and I know none of us are in a hurry to relive that, and I'm not either, but there's a couple points here that I want to clarify, need to clarify, okay? So I was really upset after the Alabama game, did my show and all that, and I went through, and I have a ton of emails. By a ton, for me, I mean 10 or 12 probably saying, John, you're wasting your time getting upset about this result. It was just such a big talent difference. It is what it is. So, you know, you could yell all you want, but the talent won, and, and, and that's what it is. Here's the problem with that. Two things. One is, I, I accept the fact that Alabama has way more raw natural talent than Notre Dame. Everybody could see that. I admit that openly, but I don't just accept it blindly that that's just the way it is and I should be happy with it. That's the difference. Acknowledging that they have way more talent is one thing, but me saying, well, that's just the way it is. Nothing you could do about it. Just move on. No. That's a loser's attitude. You got to look and say, how can we close that gap? We're never going to be able to recruit exactly like Alabama, and I'm not asking for it. But I am asking that they do a better job than they are. And I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So you can't just say they have more talent and then it goes bad for you. Just accept it. No, we got to get to a point where I feel like Notre Dame is maximizing recruiting to the fullest extent. And I don't feel like we're doing that on the offensive side of the ball right now. So that's one part of it. Acknowledging the talent gap between Notre Dame and Alabama is one thing. Blindly accepting that it's just the way it is and Notre Dame can't recruit and develop any better. No, I will not do that. I will not ever do that. 
Is Notre Dame going to be able to recruit to the level of Alabama ever? No. Could they do better than they're doing? Yes. So that's what I'm asking for. Okay. Find a quarterback that's great. Once out of a dozen years, find a quarterback that's great. Am I asking for that much? A dozen years? Find a great quarterback. Find one. Okay. So that's the first part of this discussion. Blindly accepting the talent difference and keeping it moving is not how I operate. I'm looking for ways to find that, close that gap, and maximize what we could do because I don't feel like we're there yet. And you know what else? Marcus Freeman's kind of proving my point. He's proving Notre Dame can recruit some guys we didn't even think was possible before. Now, I know he's a defensive coordinator, but I'm just saying Marcus Freeman in a couple of months is already showing that there's more meat on the bone with Notre Dame recruiting than what we're used to with Kelly. And I went over this before. That's good and bad. Good to know that we're not as, as it's good to know we're not recruiting as well as we can and we reach this ceiling. It's good to know that there's another level there that Freeman's already tapping into. This is also bad because it makes me wonder why nobody was doing it before this guy showed up and that upsets me greatly. So that's the talent part of it, of the argument of they just have more talent, deal with it. No, I'm not going to blindly accept it. We could do better from our end. So no, I'm not going to blindly accept the talent gap argument and not ask for more. Here's the second part of it. I was not mad about the results of the Alabama game just because they have more talent and they beat us and I'm mad about it. No, they're the better team. They have way more talent and a way better coach. That's just a fact. I wasn't mad about that. I was mad about the conservative, cowardly way this game was planned out by Notre Dame. That's what I was upset about. When you just line all the guys out there, the team that won, won for a reason because they have way better players and coaches. That's why they won. I'm not mad at that. That results the way that game should have went based on the talent and coaching. What I was upset about is how cowardly and conservatively Notre Dame approached that ball game. No urgency, uh, no, we're just going to throw everything we have at these guys because we know we're undermanned, nothing. The cowardly, weak, conservative plan was by far the worst part of the Alabama game. Notre Dame played and planned, scared, weak, conservative, didn't even act like they thought they had a chance in the game. Here's the worst part. The game plan seemed to be one that was in an attempt to limit how embarrassing the loss was. Didn't matter. You got blown out and it was ugly anyways. So even Notre Dame's attempt to just keep it conservative and make the score reason, even that didn't work because it still ended up being an embarrassment. So I would have just rather you go balls to the walls, figure we're going to lose anyways, and play aggressive, take chances, stretch the field, run a fake kick, do a bunch of stuff. 
We did none of that. And it's by far the most offensive part of Notre Dame's postseason this last year. The plan was weak, scared, conservative, non-aggressive, just laying down for Alabama. That I have no respect for, no time for, and it's ultra offensive to me. That's what we did. That's the worst part. I wasn't saying, oh, I'm mad about this game because I think we have the same amount of talent. We should have won and we didn't. That was never my argument. The argument is we played weak, scared, and conservative, and I do not respect that at all. At all. That's embarrassing. And that's the approach we took. It's a loser's approach, and I hate it. I hate it. So that's the two problems I had. I'm not going to just blindly accept the talent gap and say we could never do better. And two, I was just mad at the approach. It was soft and weak and embarrassing. So that's what I was mad at. Okay, so that's going to do it for this episode. I just wanted to go over some of those different position groups and what I'm looking for or not, and then hit on that final Alabama piece. As I was going through those emails, I just wanted to clarify my position and disposition on that topic. Okay, so that's all I got. Until next time, we'll see you on Twitter. Take care.